there have been psychics and communicators for as long as people have been around. Do you feel like there's a certain type of personality that more frequently has these psychic abilities? Uh, it's a genetic link, but it also comes from our hunter-gatherer days where she believes we all had these abilities and that's how we survived. We all had these abilities. And they say, wait, we had Christians that were doing mushrooms and we had they had these giant wine vessels that were laced with psychedelic drugs and then the priest would drink that and they'd smoke the cannabis in the uh, lanterns and fill up the chapel. In the US and abroad, we do not have protection. We do not have laws for animal abuse that are very, they're aggressive, but it's very hard to prosecute. But she found a raccoon stuck in a dumpster and she decided to light it on fire. And she afterwards, she just like doubled down and was like trying to make it this funny thing. And the judge was like, this is extremely concerning. If you were able to do this to a defenseless animal, then that says a lot about you, your character, and what the danger you pose to other people even. Not only do pets and animals have thoughts and feelings, but they have memories. Hello, everybody. You are listening or watching Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Horback. So I did the episode and then I went to go get my microneedling appointment because I ran out of time because we went, um, we just couldn't stop chatting even after we stopped recording. I just love Nancy so much. Um, so <laughs> my face looks a little bit crazy right now for the intro. That is because that is what exactly happened right after. It looks like I have a really gnarly sunburn. Um, so that's what's happening. Anyways, I was <laughs> just trying to explain the incongruency from this video to the following. Uh, I have an incredible guest for you today, but before we hop into that, just a couple quick reminders. Make sure you have hit subscribe wherever you are listening or watching. That helps a ton. If you're listening on Spotify, you can actually share your favorite part of the episode, ask a question. They have polls now, which is really fun. I'm going to try and move all my videos over there. Before the end of February is my goal, so we'll see if we can make that happen. And if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you are subscribed, you like the video, and you leave a comment with your favorite part. And um, before we wrap up the episode, just hang around for my closings, and I'll give you some prompts then. We're going to do a couple of coffee shout-outs. It's been a minute, so let's catch up with everybody. I want to say a big thank you to Paul. Lots of co coffees from Paul, from Dale, from Jorge, Roger, Keith, AdderX, John, and AdderX again. Thank you so much for all of those cups of coffee. All the donations go right back into the podcast. If you want to contribute or donate, you can go to chattingwithcandice.com and click that link that says buy me a coffee. And I'll give you a shout out at the beginning of the episode. So this week we have Nancy Mello joining the podcast. Nancy is a psychic and animal communicator. And before you say that this ep episode is not for you, we talk about plenty of other things that are not related to psychic abilities and animal communication. But what is interesting is a lot of the commonalities that Nancy and I drew between our professions and our our paths through life, which 
I think is really fun when you can kind of connect dots with people that seem to be in totally different fields and parts of the world. Um, Nancy is the real deal. Lady is my older dog. She is 14 and she is going through it, folks. She's really going through it. She knew things from years ago. Like, there's no way. I don't post a lot of my super personal stuff online. I don't really post my dogs or their breeds or their age. And she was talking about things only lady would know. Like, only lady would know. Or my husband or something like that. But not even a friend, not even a close friend would be like, oh, that beanbag from seven years ago or that rug in the laundry room. It was just, it was spot on. And she really helped me. Um, we realized ladies going deaf. She verified that. We were kind of were questioning it, questioning it, didn't tell her that. And she was just going deaf. And I was like, oh my gosh, we've been thinking that. So just like little examples like that. We didn't, I'm not sharing the reading on here. Maybe I'll do that if she gives me permission because it was just to a T. So if you have an animal in your life and you want to know what they're thinking or they're sick and uh, you just want a little bit of peace of mind, I'm going to link all of her resources below. Again, she is 100% the real deal. I could not recommend her enough. It is a great gift card to give to people. It's oh, just something for fun. Even if you, even if you're skeptical, it's just something fun, something fun to do. Check it out, and maybe you'll, maybe you'll join me on the side of the believers by the end of this episode. Well, um, I think that is it for this very long intro. But thank you for hanging in there. And without further ado, please help me welcome Nancy Mello. Nancy, it's so good to see you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. And then I saw your post yesterday that you were doing podcasts. And when we did our our call was like a week ago or so, I was like, do you do podcasts? I have to have you on because I was just so blown away by our session. Like You were the real deal. Absolutely no questions about it. I was just happy to help. It was interesting because like with TikTok, you get a message in the other folder and I just happen to, you know, see the message. And I, when I, I always re- I try and read what I get. I mean, I may not be able to respond right away, but I was like, eh, you know, if I have the time, I will try and help. I don't always have it, but it just it was good timing. Yeah, honestly, I don't ever expect anyone to respond in the like the DMs of TikTok because it's very hard to get to. And then I, w- I was really taking a gamble because there's so many, especially when it comes to the field of like spirituality, psychics, anyone kind of reading. Uh-huh. It's how do you decipher between someone who's trying to kind of take advantage, maybe someone that's really good with NLP or just psychology in general, and then someone that's actually doing a reading. And to anyone who's like maybe skeptical, the things in our call were like from years ago. Like when we were talking about ladies beanbag, like ages ago, there is no, like that doesn't exist. Like there's just no way, you know what I mean? So um, there are certain ways that you can kind of just feel it. And that's probably what drew me to you anyways. You know what I mean? Because if you look up animal communicators, it comes up a lot, but for some reason I was drawn to you. And again, um, absolutely blown away. So I guess is there how do you how do you go into this space and with a skeptical mind I guess distinguish between someone that's taking advantage of you versus someone that's actually trying to use it as a service someone that's say oh and from a from a client perspective you mean yeah from my perspective well both yeah yeah both so as a client I so I actually have a picture of a da Vinci 
there's a, a little known drawing. I'm actually, since we're on video, it's a little known drawing. It's kind of bent because it's it's been a few years, but it's a little known drawing that he did. And even how I ended up upon this drawing was just remarkable. It was the last day of an exhibit of his at the Royal Gallery. We were in London for a day. We got tickets. It was crazy. But anyway, I looked down and it's called Gypsies. And Da Vinci drew it as a response to Venice kicking out gypsies that were palm reading. So in the drawing, it's it's hard to decipher because this is literally a picture of a picture, but it has someone holding out their palm while someone else is taking, like, I guess it would be a satchel back then. And so Venice had made this political statement of gypsies get out. And I'll never forget, like, I stood there just, you know, first of all, I'm not, I'm, I'm appreciative of architecture and art, but I don't understand it. And so when I just saw this, I was blown away because a few things hit me at once. One, that there have been psychics and communicators for as long as people have been around. Two, that there have always been people as well that have taken advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't in my lifetime set out to be a psychic and animal communicator. It is not what I said I wanted to be when I grew up. In fact, I rallied against it as hard as I could. And I really tried to put myself in a box. I married very traditionally. I fulfilled very traditional roles. And I really set out with this big secret. And eventually when people got to know me, it would come out, but it was very hush hush. I have struggled with depression my entire life. And one night it got to a point where I was attempt thinking about attempting to unalive myself. And that's when I realized I had a choice of helping people or not. And I realized that I have this gift to help. So decided not to unalive myself, decided to get help for that. But at the same time, if I'm going to help, how am I going to do it? And I wrote down, I actually have the paper still on my desk, as a code of ethos the night that I tried to unalive myself of what I wanted to stand by if I did this out loud mm -hmm. in the open. One of those was to never take advantage of someone, never to say, I don't know, or if I don't feel a connection, to be honest about it, to make myself available and also to give generously, but also protect my own space. I come from a background of, at the time it was called women's studies. Now it's called gender studies and political science in college. And I had an organizing background. So I knew about social media and I knew how to work it. But I also knew that because the space was so overwhelmed with psychics and animal communicators already, I needed to do the best of my ability every single session. And that meant asking people for Google recommendations. Mm -hmm. Sylvia Brown, who was a famous psychic that passed a few years ago, used to say that the best psychics don't need to advertise. And I also really stand by that. I do not advertise. You will hear about me through the algorithms now on social media or someone referring. That being said, 
I encourage everyone to do their own research. A psychic or animal communicator should be Googleable. You should be able to find out information on them. When I did a lot of missing pets and I became known for missing pets, there was information that I put out there. Here is my statistics. This is, I find more cats than dogs. Actually, the most common state I find them in is in Pennsylvania. I had all my statistics. This is the numbers. This is how long it usually takes to find them. This is, if your pet is lost this amount, the percentage goes down. I had all of the numbers. I think that for a long time, this space has counted on the secrecy and counted on the cloak and mirrors. And I knew going into this five years ago professionally that that's not me. I own everything. If I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. I am quite the dork. I, I dance like Elaine from Seinfeld. I, I am not perfect. I, there have been sessions that I've been like, I'm not getting anything. And that could be for a variety of reasons. Do your research. Do not go to someone that says they are never wrong. We are human. We will be wrong. We will have bad days. Do not go to someone that says you cannot speak to anyone else but me. Because just like in therapy or doctors, some things you're going to feel comfortable talking to one person about and some things about another. You want to feel like you can have a cup of coffee with this person and be comfortable because when you're comfortable with me, then I'm able to read you. If someone's like this and thinks that I'm full of BS right away, I'm not going to be able to read them. Mm. But at the same time, by you giving me your vulnerability, I'm going to give you my whole heart. And I, another part of my ethos is I'm never going to take advantage of that. I don't share client lists. I don't talk about who I've spoken to. And I've talked with people from all walks of life. And I don't share. I also have a policy of not talking on that note of not talking about celebrities on my page. I remember after Queen Elizabeth died, I had a lot of people asking me to talk to her corgis and I won't do it without, and this goes for everyday people. I will not talk about someone on a personal level without their consent. So in a session, you should be able to say no and they should stop. I will never tell someone you're not allowed to know that. Now, sometimes I get things that are unclear and then I'll say, this is unclear. I'm not sure what I'm seeing. It's kind of this circle of things. This is maybe why, because Everything that we say, I believe in the butterfly effect. I believe in the chaos theory. So even just saying things changes something else. Mm. But the beautiful thing about that is that you've, you even talking to me creates this beautiful progression. So there's a lot to choosing someone, talking to someone either as a medium or as an animal communicator is very intimate. And I don't share that. 
I don't talk to, when I get off a call, I may be able to tell my kids and my spouse that it was tough or it was sad, but I don't talk about details unless I have the express permission of the person I just spoke to. And that, if you go on my TikTok, I have animal communicator stories. Those are all people that have expressly given their consent for me to speak about it because I will never, ever break that trust of someone. Just like I will not tell you who I've spoken to. Even you can tell me I got referred by so-and-so and I say, that's great. But I'm not going to therefore then talk to you about their session. Because mm-hmm. that's not, A, I probably won't remember it. Because once I hear something, it kind of goes out. But also that's that's against my ethos. So mm-hmm. long story short, do your research. You should find people that have reviews on different platforms if they are as good as they say, people are going to be talking about them. Mm-hmm. There should be a variety of reviews. For for instance, I have, I think I looked last night, 435 five-star reviews or 435 reviews. I think there's like a smattering, like I think there's like five, four of like either a four-star or like a one-star. And that's valid and that's okay. Because again, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. The majority of people say, yay, we love her. Some don't, and I, but I don't take it personally, right? I'm not, sometimes I'm just not the psychic or the animal communicator for you, but I promise, and this is where the evidential comes in and the proof, I will give you the proof. I'm not just going to tell you that they laid on a bed. I'm going to give you the color. I'm going to give you the texture. Sometimes animals can be very textural. I'll give you the texture of the bed. I'll give you smells. I'll give you motions. Some dogs will go like this when they're paws. I will give you things that have happened since. A lot of animals after passing in giving proof will talk about a chair you moved, you moved homes, these things that are changed that there's no way I would know. So when you are looking for someone, they should be specific. And if they're not, and this is the last thing I'll say, and it's really super important, if you don't feel comfortable in the first five minutes or even 10 minutes, don't be afraid to be like, look, I'm not feeling this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not feeling this connection. Can I have a refund? Can I, can we stop this? And any legitimate medium or, or animal communicator should say, sure, no problem. They may like, in some cases I'm like, well, you know, do you want to try on a different day? I will give that option, but that's only like, is this a bad read? Because, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, one time, maybe six months ago, there was someone that had just lost a dog and they, they stopped me and they were like, look, this is not making sense. And I said, no problem. Maybe it is because you just lost him last week. And we scheduled for a month later and it went beautifully, but it's also your choice to do so. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. If you still want to put that trust in me, that's wonderful, but it's okay. Do you feel like there's a certain type of personality that is more like more um more frequently has these psychic abilities because i've what i've noticed is like you've been very open with your battle with depression like i saw a couple posts recently and i think that vulnerability is amazing because it lets people know that they're not alone and that 
from the outside, like it's not something that you can see oftentimes. So someone could be really going through something internally and you're like, their life is great. They've got these fault, right? So it's really cool to demystify those things. But I do see a pattern of people that have really um, impressive abilities that almost seem to be very sensitive, like very sensitive energetically so that it can make certain things a little bit more difficult, like uh, with suffering from depression, for example, because you're, do you tend to be a feeler? I had a question once on another podcast and they said, could you, so I am 42. I had a question, would you have done this at 20? And I said, yes, but I wouldn't have been any good at it because while I could feel, and I could tell you that your aunt, your great aunt was named Ada. I'm getting from the Gilded Age, but you know, you had a great aunt Ada and uh, she had a dog. I'm just, again, thinking Gilded Age. I could tell you that stuff but I didn't have the empathy. I have had a lot of crap happen. I had a really tough childhood because of my abilities. There was a lot of things that went on and it really continued until my late twenties. I had one family member say, if anything could happen to you, it's going to happen to you. Like if anything can happen, it happens to Nancy because it was just one blow after another, after another. And it really, I, I mean, I, I've lost count of the times that I tried to unalive myself. Wow. Starting at age eight. However, if I did not have all of that stuff happening, and we're talking very, I mean, just, just things that you're just like, what the hell was that happening? But because of that, I can emphasize and I think that's the big difference. I think that you have people in the industry and I, I can't even think of anyone because honestly, I don't really, I don't pay attention. I, I, I focus on my, that's, I focus on the positivity, but you do one, one thing that stopped me from doing it before was that I thought that I had to be that, that hooded cloak and mirror kind of mystified you know, mystical person. And here I am, marathoner, athlete, all around dork. <laughs> like, how did I fit? Like, I don't look like a traditional psychic. And I think being real and honest about our own challenges, A, I think it helps people open up. But B, I think it has helped now, I have had these abilities my entire life, and people have these abilities all over the world, millions of people, doctors, veterinarians. I've talked to several veterinarians of clients that have these abilities. Doctors, there's, teachers routinely will have abilities. Plumbers, moms, you, it, it, it's come from all walks of life. I once had a client that was a neurosurgeon in a very big city. And she came to me as a psychic. And of course I'm going, I had to pick her brain literally and figuratively, I guess, maybe not literally at the end. And I said, how do you reason this? And I'll never forget what she said. She said that, first of all, we don't understand the brain. She said, we understand five to 10% of the brain. She said, we really know nothing about the brain. What we know, we know well, but we don't understand it. And second of all, she, 
it was of her opinion with her knowledge that people like me, that this comes from, uh, it's a genetic link, but it also comes from our hunter gatherer days where she believes we all had these abilities and that's how we survived. Mm. We had these instincts to be able to catch prey or whatever. We had the instincts to maybe find shelter when there was rain or whatever. We, we all had these abilities. And over time, she said, as we became more, uh, not modernized, but we, we, we started to settle down, started to settle down into villages and communities, we didn't. And so these abilities went dormant. And that's why it, it, um, it was fascinating what she said, because you, you will hear people that have near-death experiences, NDEs, and then they have abilities, or you have people go through something and then they, they have abilities. That would be that part of the brain that has been dormant that goes awake. So it was really fascinating to hear a neurosurgeon's point of view, because to me, it makes a lot of sense because I can look at my genetic background and I can see on both sides that we have had abilities. My great, great grandfather on my maternal side was a healer. Uh, He actually started a movement in Southern California in the early 1900s. I'm going to mispronounce the name, but it was the Pasag House, Pasag House, Pasag Movement. He was a doctor and then he, uh, he had an accident and he was healed and he, he healed thousands of people would come to him for healing. And then on my paternal side, I have had ancestors come to me and speak in another language and explain how they were healing. (laughs) So, um, it's not something that's talked about though. And in fact, in my family, it is what I'm doing is not, not, not okay. And it's not accepted because we don't, we don't talk about things like this, but I felt like this was the only way for me to live. Because if I cannot use these abilities for good or use, like, I cannot run away from something that I have. And I really consider it a calling. I will be doing this the rest of my life. I am called to do it. And I don't know how many others use that phrase in this community. I think that we need a lot more honesty and transparency. Well, it has to be really hard too, right? Because it is still considered pretty fringe and woo. And I'm sure there's a lot of social consequences for coming out as someone that has these abilities. I think the first thing is to write you off as a crazy person or you're somehow detached from reality. And then somehow people have you entirely figured out and want to discard you because of that. So then if you're fighting that and like who you actually are, of course, there's going to be an impasse. And of course, there's going to be something like depression or anxiety or unworthiness what like you pick the label and there's going to be a host of those for just simply not being able to be who you are and when we were talking I felt like you you had said something that there's a lot of similarities between you and I and it probably sounds silly off the jump to some people because you're like wait a psychic slash animal communicator and someone that was in the adult industry but 
there are certain communities that kind of live and have always existed on the fringes of society. And that doesn't mean that they're bad. And that doesn't mean that they're not worthy of at least curiosity and um, instead of judgment. And I think we do have a lot in common. What struck me about you when I was speaking to you about your sweet pup and also just in general is a, how well-spoken you were and B how you were really trying to legitimize what you're doing now and how you are showing people another side of yourself and saying, this is who I am. Welcome. And I find for myself as well, when I am off the clock, so to speak, I I call it psychic Nancy and friend Nancy. Mm -hmm. And I think for you, you can relate as well. When you're off the clock of whatever you're doing, you're off. You're no longer that character, if you will, or that part Mm -hmm. of yourself, if Mm -hmm. you will. Like for when I was talking to you, I was like, wait, you had a, you have a different name. Like I was very, (laughs) some Uh actually a lot of people in this industry, in my industry will go by different names. I, this is my name. I was born with the name Nancy Mello. I do not include my married name. That's the only thing I don't share, but that's only because my children are in school and Mm -hmm. that's enough right there. (laughs) But yeah, I find it's, it's interesting because I, and, and it's been, and I, I think you can say the same. It's been hard in relationships because it's like, no, 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 you're, you're Candace, you're Candace. Like that's you. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not doing this. You're, you're, you're Candace. Hi. And you want people to love and accept you as you are. And for me, it's been very hard in female friendships. It's really? Been, oh yeah. It's Uh, So my spouse is, uh, he just recently retired from the Navy as a Navy submariner. And another reason why I went by my maiden name is I didn't want it to affect his career. And now as often as after you you retire from the military, you get your second job and people at his job still do not know what I do. He Mm. refers to me. I, I'm a consultant and that's what I call myself. And I don't, I would be interesting to ask if you, if you said a different name for what you did, did you ever go by another name or did you just own it? No. So I, there was this illusion, especially back when I started, I think now it's a little bit more obvious, but that there was an option of anonymity that if you used a different name that you would be able to kind of protect what you were doing. And that doesn't exist. The internet is just too vast and people are too eager to be the one that gotcha. So it will be a matter of minutes before someone does a deep dive and knows, you know, your blood type. So (laughs) that is the unfortunate reality. But I mean, there's obviously some beautiful things about it, like you and I were able to connect. So it's kind of use the tool and don't let the tool use you. So even though I had a different name, it's pretty much people find out really quick. I was actually talking to my neighbor and um, our kids play together and she was talking about how she was Googling someone recently. She's like, I never Google someone, but I was Googling someone and she went to this school and she does this and she's this very uh, prestigious person. I had no idea this whole time that we're grabbing coffee together. And she goes, I think I'm going to start Googling everyone. And I was like, oh God. I'm like, oh God, it's going to be minutes away. But there's still some anxiety and I don't know that that will ever go away. I work on it because I know it's my own stuff because if I was entirely 
sure of everything, then it wouldn't have an effect if you kind of take that stoic approach. But there's also the version of reality is that this does have implications on my family and my community, and that needs to be taken into account. And all of that being said, I think it's a great filtration process, and I'm sure you probably agree. And it is the quickest way to realize who is for you and who is not for you. And the most peace that I've gotten is getting as close to radical acceptance for the path that I chose and the decisions that I've made and who I am fundamentally. And when I do that, I can accept everyone that falls away. I can accept every opportunity that doesn't come through fruition and know that it's for me. So you have to constantly say like God or the universe, whatever you want to call it is for you, wants you to be fulfilled, happy, thriving, wants to see you play. So something that can feel like utter heartbreak, devastation, victimhood mentality, reframe that, truly reframe it. It's not, it's not a trick. It, I believe that to be the truth. So you can say, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's trauma or minimize anyone's uh, bad luck, but you have the power and it is a superpower, truly, if you can reframe it into something positive. So I had another long way of saying, yes, I have another name, but I think it was kind of useless and going into certain I guess whether it's like a different functions, dinners or meetings or meetups, whatever it is, you kind of have to curate different introductions for yourself. And it's not necessary. It's not lying. It's just like, what is the version of me that is the most appropriate here? So maybe it's mom, maybe it's podcaster, maybe it's I was in the adult industry, maybe it's investor. All of these things are true, but no one really at least out of the gate, wants the whole version of you. They just want the specific, what can I focus on? What do we have in common? Just to start building that relationship and that foundation of trust. And then you can start peppering and the fun stuff and kind of wait and see how they react. So it was interesting. My family and I were on a nine-day trip overseas, uh, a, a cruise this summer. And we, in the first few days, met a family with similar age kids, and we just fell in love with each other, and they were the absolute best. And this woman was a doctor, and her spouse is a, a professor. And I, I was feeling close enough. I remember saying, I'm a consultant, and she going, well, what kind of consultant? I'm just, oh, I, I work with people all around the world, which is all true. And we were getting to that closeness, though, where we're having dinners together. Our kids are meeting up after tours. And finally, and I and I told my husband beforehand, because if they were going to walk away, they were going to walk away. And so, of course, I, I always consult my my best friend, my 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 love. Mm-hmm. OK, I think I, I want to tell her. And he said, OK, you know, of course, he's always supportive. So I remember telling her and she I, I think I'm always expecting the worst because that's what I'm used to. Uh, but I remember she was she she didn't respond right away. And then I think it was the next morning that we got to talk. And she said, first of all, she was so thankful that she was that I told her. And she said, you know, she said, I feel that way as a doctor. And I said, what? And she said, yeah. She said, because as soon as I say doctor, someone is telling me about the sore in their mouth, about the knee pain, about she said, once she says doctor, she says she's typecast. Mm. And it was such a reality check for me because here I am thinking, 
they're not going to want to be friends with us. And, you know, that, that whole high school mentality. And yet here she was feeling very similar about one of the most respected professions that that there can be in, in society's standards. Mm -hmm. And yet I had never even thought about the fact that when someone says I'm a doctor, that all of a sudden they get TMI. Yeah. And then I thought, well, what about lawyers? Lawyers have to be similar. So it's, it's interesting. Like you say, when you reframe it and you go, yeah, we have to do things a little differently, but we're not the only ones. Mm -hmm. We just, there may be, as, as you say, like there may, there just may be a little bit more, you know, no one's going to be skeptical of you if you're a doctor, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we all are being cautious and we all are being protective of our energy because once that information comes out, it can go many different ways. And in fact, of course, one of the days we went on a tour and one of the kids got hurt, not horribly, but of course she immediately slipped into doctor mode, but Mm -hmm. that isn't any different than if something happened a dog was lost down the street and immediately I'm going to click into animal communicator node. So it's really, I don't want to say it sound silly, but really neat to me to, to know that there are other people that feel the same way and maybe they're in normal professions, but they go through the same crap. I still, it's not going to, it still doesn't make me, it still doesn't make me want to share it. In fact, (laughs) I have, I have a weekend coming up and I don't think my daughter listens to the podcast, so that's okay. Um, I'm surprising my daughter with a trip to New York for her birthday. We, we don't live that far away. It's not that fabulous. Like, it's not like we're, we're flying, I'm flying her across the country. Um, but I live in Connecticut and I'm surprising her to go down to New York for the weekend. And she has a friend, uh, that she met on a trip that's going to be joining us. And this friend and his mom are very Christian and she's a respectful profession. She's a, she's, she's a type of doctor. And I did not want them to stay with us because I, New York, because I was afraid she'd see my office. Mm. And it sucks that that's the way it is for now. But I know as I grow more confident in my own self that it's going to be very easy. And like you say, it's going to kind of, you know, it'll just be one of those things where, okay, you're not for me. But it's different with kids. It's when it affects your kids. It's an extra turn in that knife. Yeah. Because you don't want to hurt their relationships. And I've always told my kids, you know, I, I do not want what I do to affect them. Mm-hmm. As much as as much as possible, as much as possible, mm-hmm. which is inevitable, unfortunately. What's interesting with the Christian, uh, the Christian hesitation to anything psychic or quote magic, and then I guess I would say it's kind of newer the the relationship that they put it to evil or the devil or whatever, because there's this book. Um, it's called the sacred cross sacred cross in the mushroom or something like that we i bought it for my husband downstairs and it's about one of the one of the founding 
branches of Christianity is actually based off of psychedelics and fertility rituals. And it kind of took a lot from the pagans. And it's not what you would say now. So if they were to read read those origin stories, I think that they would kind of fall off their seat. And they say, wait, we had Christians that were doing mushrooms and we had they had these giant wine vessels that were laced with psychedelic drugs and then the priest would drink that and and take cannabis and in they'd smoke the cannabis in the uh, lanterns and fill up the chapel so we've come we've definitely come a different way as far as i want to go to that kind of service where we're like things out let's do that why aren't we doing that now i think a lot more people would go to church you see yes it's like I mean, do a little bit more, more of a deep dive into like the the foundations of the of the religion. Then also, isn't no judgment part of it? And every no one is free of sin or flaw. And maybe you just approach things as we're all people just trying to figure this out and do the best that we can. And then when you mentioned that the relationships with with females were uh, a little bit that those were the harder ones, I found that to be interesting because. Is it because they're trying to get you to do parlor tricks or is it because they're like, no, there's no way that's not real? Was it they believed you and then kind of were taking advantage of it or they were just thought you were crazy? So it's been both. So in the military spouse community, it's been Uh very much like I am not in the box and Uh we cannot associate with each other because I am no longer in the box. So and, and, and not all military spouses. I don't want to put it all sure. but 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 in certain communities it would be very much I need to be in a box and that's that's the only way that people can see me as the other ha- side of it is yeah I I am I ha- for instance I have a, a a lovely friend and I I adore her but every time I see her she's asking me something mm-hmm. and I to be fair I've done a session with her I've I've, I've done a reading for her but it's every single time. And she emotionally unloads on me. Mm-hmm. And even if she's not asking me a specific question, she is giving me all of that. And if you follow me on social media, you know, I joke, I, what do I do to de-stress? I watch reality TV. I watch housewives and I work out. And so when I am in friend Nancy mode, if there's an emergency, if there's something, you know, I was, for instance, I was catching up with a friend and we were speaking for two hours and she said, Hey, can I ask you a psychic question? Like she's, we were stopping. Hey, can I ask you something? Yeah, of course. But this other friend who just unloads on me every single time. And it's just like, I I can't be around people like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have no energy for it. So yeah, yeah, I I think it is a little of both. I either have women that absolutely want nothing to do with me because Mm -hmm. if they are friends with me, then everyone else will judge them. Mm -hmm. Or I have other women that just think I am a psychic hotline. Mm. And there's no judgment in either. I, I, I have love and understanding for those women because we've all been there. In fact, that's why I started because I was in such a deep depression and I just wanted someone to tell me it was okay. And I respect those times. And in fact, I had one of those, one of those days last week where I just needed to someone to tell me it's okay. You're going to get out of this. And in those situations, all my love to you. And I will say what I'm hearing, but when you continuously are just asking for things for things, and I think it, it sometimes it happens on a subconscious level, because if, mm-hmm. it, it's like, for instance, my doctor friend who 
if you know your friend's a doctor, well, when you something happens, you're probably going to text them first. So it's understandable, but also just like in another profession, we have our we have our off switch. And that was another thing I found really interesting is that, and for I guess for me it's obvious because I've always been, but people don't realize that we're not on twenty four seven. As when I am done with this podcast, I am done. When I am done with a session, I am I am I switch off, and I am not sensing. That would be exhausting to sense all the time. So mm-hmm. when 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 I am speaking to another woman and they're like immediately you know, it, I I need, I need to be off. I need to recharge, but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's just, it's been interesting situations. And admittedly, I am, I am neurodivergent. I I have was diagnosed with ADHD way back in the very beginning in in the nineties, but I, I'm almost positive. I am on the spectrum because I just, I just don't get things sometimes. Like when Mm -hmm. someone will say something, I'm like, what? So (laughs) I, I really like, I don't, I don't get, I don't, get it. I don't, sometimes like I don't pick up social cues and that's why I, I love my, my, my best friend, my, my partner who like, I'll ask him like, I don't, I don't get what they're saying or did I misunderstand this? So sometimes it's me just going, what, what, what are you, what are you asking? <laughs> Cause I, I genuinely don't get it. I don't get what, what, what the meaning is. Mm-hmm. Do you um do you have any protocols that you do for your ADHD or your depression? Like, are you doing? So there's this uh, book I read. It was called um, Oh my goodness, The Boy Crisis. I want to say it's the same one of the same authors that wrote Men Are from Mars, Ve- Women Are from Venus, and he kind of did the end part. And it was all on ADHD and ADD and alternative therapies. And he highly recommends cold therapy for that. And then I'm sure you're well aware of a lot of um, the research with MAPS and what they're doing with psilocybin specifically and depression. So I have been on an antidepressant for a decade and it's mm-hmm. a small dose and it works for me and it's my maintenance dose. So I am on a antidepressant, but it's mm-hmm. under a doctor's care and I'm comfortable with it. And I actually, so I, I, I'm a good girl or quotation, right? I followed, I drew in the lines. I tried again because I didn't want to stick out. And it's ironic, uh, before pot was legalized, I, I probably did it as much on, you know, as, as many times as, as we have fingers on both hands. And honestly, it's been the last year that I have started doing gummies on my days off and after sessions. And uh, sometimes I'll do like a, I, like a maintenance dose, like a, a, like a really like a tiny dose. And sometimes I will do, I never do much, but it's enough to turn my brain off. And it was actually, I, I admitted it to my therapist and she thought it was great. She said, you, cause I don't, admittedly, I don't drink much, maybe mm-hmm. once in a while, but that's kind of my glass of wine. And she said, you need something to turn your brain off as long, you know, and I do it responsibly. So I do gummies. Uh, I have not gone into the other stuff only because honestly, I haven't had the time. Mm-hmm. And I, when I do go into that stuff, I, you know, of course I want it to be safe and everything. And I want it to be, you know, and it's hard when you have kids plan, you know, even going into yeah. that, there's another thing that I'm really fascinated in, um, I'm like ketamine. I, I'm interested in, in the research on ketamine. I think that's fantastic. Interestingly enough, we were in the Baltics this summer and in Finland, everyone knows about the saunas, the sauna. And uh, so I, I have explored heat, heat therapy as well, or even just kind of like sweating it out. But I do the same thing with fitness. I work out very hard. 
mm-hmm. uh, because that is how I turn that part of my brain off or I get exhausted enough that my mind and also honestly music I listen to a lot of EDM and it just it for my ADD brain it just, I say for neurodivergent pers- people that's supposed to be great yeah it's it's I've 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 been into EDM since last 25 years and in particular like German techno it's just it's something about it where you know, and I'm not I, I I've again I've I've been to only so many clubs in my life but there's something about listening to EDM music that just it just I'm it, it's one of the few things that can quiet my brain so some traditional stuff some non-traditional stuff but I think you know as as so many doctor clients have told me our, our bodies, everybody is slightly different. We are all working in slightly different ways. So you have to find what works for you. And for me right now at this time of my life, a prescription antidepressant works for me because it keeps me at that level. Will I always be on it? Absolutely not. Just like when I'm talking to a client and we talk about possibly putting their pet on like a Prozac or something. And I always say, I'm not a veterinarian, but if I'm seeing behaviors that there's like, I'm like, okay, we, I can help change those behaviors and help them realize it. But at some point there needs to be time to heal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and again, not a doctor, but sometimes I feel like sometimes putting your brain on the a break, putting a break on your brain a little bit and taking something so your brain can heal. So the synapses can, can, can grow or start lighting up again is a good thing. So mm-hmm. I, I, but I don't have any judgment. I really don't. I, I loved Ritalin. Like I, oh my God, Ritalin saved my life as a, as a high schooler in the early nineties and in college, I would not have graduated without Ritalin. I mean, it was amazing. Just the, Mm. just being able to like focus in, but the same can be said for music now. Yeah. It's interesting. There's like so many different modalities that you can kind of explore to try to see what works best for you because obviously everyone is different for sure. Do you think do you think everyone has kind of always had the ability or has the ability to tap into some psychic intuition even there's this clip going around right now I don't know if you saw it and it's it's one of those ones that you watch like especially as a mom so it's this young like younger adult man and he's talking about this story uh, back when he was in high school and he was getting ready for school and his mom came in and said you're not you're not going to school today. And he's like, why? We're just we're going to go. It's a field trip. We're going to just kind of eat and shop and explore this downtown area. We're not even going to be to school. Like we hop straight on the bus and we're going out to the field trip, not even going to school. And she takes a pause and she goes, so you're not going to school. You're you're going straight from the bus and you're going somewhere else. And he's like, yeah, not going to school at all. We're not even stopping there. And she's like, "Okay." okay, you can go as long as you don't go to school. And then that day the school had a shooting and there were casualties. And I think he was saying one of them was even his, what would have been his classroom. And the, I'm, I have goosebumps right now, but it's this, this isn't an abnormal story. You hear stories about moms specifically and women specifically that are like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that alley. I don't know about that person. I don't know about that event. Like maybe we'll just stay home. And so many of us ignore it. And then we're like, dang, I shouldn't, I should have listened. So I feel like 
we are tapped into some kind of information network that we can't see but we feel and then our big dumb brains try to over intellectualize it and ignore it and override it and think that we know better well and that would make sense with the the neurosurgeon who said that it is still in our brain it's just dormant i absolutely i I always say there's no coincidences and always, always trust your instinct. Now, the caveat to that is those of us with anxiety, raise your hand, hello, because the anxiety will go, no, 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 emergency, emergency. Like I have not gotten on planes before mm. because of anxiety. But was it the fact that something happened on the plane? Absolutely not. It was me not wanting to leave my kids or there was, un- and that's why therapy is such a good thing and understanding like why and, and those triggers. Because Mm -hmm. anxiety can be mistaken for that instinct. But so I'm a, I'm a blood clot survivor. I, one of my other million things that have happened to me, I'm being verbose, but I I had a blood clot and when I was pregnant and they missed it for four times. And yeah. And it was interesting though, because similar where I'm, I'm a runner and, or I was, uh, and I, there was this pain and they kept saying, uh, I, I'm, I was anxious that there was nothing wrong. And you know, that you, you pulled it when you're running. And I said, no, this is a different pain. And I was dismissed. I'm not kidding by 10 doctors, 10. I'm not even kidding. I began not being able to sleep at night because I was so afraid I was going to die. I was so afraid I was going to pass in my sleep. And of course, it, anyone that knows blood clots, so DVT, DV, uh, deep vein thrombosis is in the leg. And then what happens is it breaks off and it goes into a PE, a pulmonary embolism. And that's that's the cause of deaths for blood clots or strokes, which is in the brain, breaks off. But I think doctors say the majority of them start in the legs, if not all of them start in the legs. And I kept, I was afraid to sleep. I went to the ER three three times and I, and I had, yeah, I, so... I, but I, something just kept saying this, like, it's a clot, it's a clot, it's a clot. And I'll never forget the day I went in the evening I went in and my husband was so irritated with me. Uh, And, and, and I just said, I think I need to go in. And he's like, fine, whatever. And it was like a Saturday night or something. And I went in and thank God for that doctor. Cause I had actually had a previous ultrasound the day before uh, at another clinic and this doctor, this doctor on, on, on call saved my life because he looked and I told him the truth. I said, we just had one yesterday. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. He was this old white guy. And he's like, yeah, why not? You know? And he kind of shrugged and I went in to get the, the ultrasound study. And it was a, actually a tech that had done a previous ultrasound because I was getting to know him at this point. And I remember just pleading with him, like, please, like, don't, don't think about the previous ultrasounds. And I remember him putting his hand on me and going, don't worry. Every, every, ultrasound is is fresh and he actually he found it within minutes and he told me and he wasn't supposed to which is why I won't mention his name but he wasn't supposed (laughs) to and he said I found it he just said I'm not supposed to tell you to act like you don't know anything but I found it and I just remember just sobbing because I knew I knew and it can instinct like that feelings like that can will save your life and as a doctor, when I was pregnant said, it's better to go to the ER and have them think you're crazy than dead. So mm-hmm. never, especially when your body is sending you a signal, signal, never, ever hesitate to go in. Never. Because worst case, they just send you back. You know, best mm-hmm. case, they save your life. 
But even speaking as an evidential medium, I, I feel like once a week, once every couple of weeks, I am speaking to someone this past that said I should have gone in. Wow. You know, I had this feeling and they'll talk, they'll be talking to their loved ones. I had symptoms six weeks prior, but I didn't want to go to the doctor. If you feel like something is wrong and not just physically, but if you feel like I shouldn't get in the car, trust it. There's the idea of pronoia, which is the idea. It's the opposite of paranoia. So if paranoia is everyone's out to get you, pronoia is the universe is working in your favor. So if you get stopped at a stoplight, trust it. If you decide to go another way, trust it. You don't have to overthink it, but there's always a reason. Always. Have you seen there was um, I spend way too much time on social media, as you can tell. There was this really well done clip and it was this guy and he was dressed in all black and he looked kind of menacing and just a mean expression stomping through the streets and he would see these no one kind of no one saw him really coming but someone would would be coming out the door and he'd trip them and uh it would look really mean but and the guy's like what the hell and then all of a sudden a car drove by and he would have gotten hit or there's like a little kid and he'll shove him and then same kind of same kind of deal and um there's just like all of these situations where you would see what the heck is wrong with this guy but he's actually he's actually there to protect you and it's like sometimes this is what your angels look like so not to think that um Again, anything happening is happening to you. And after I saw that, this is going to sound crazy, but after I saw that video and I was like, well, that's a, a much different perspective to take in throughout your day. My oldest was making us run late, of course, because as you know, leaving the house is like a, it's a whole series of events. It's never just like get in the car. So it's like, oh, I forgot my shoes. I need that water bottle, not this water bottle. I don't want that jacket. So we're running late. And I'm like, oh, they're going to close the gate at school. We got to go. We got to go. And um, I have to go to Whole Foods after this. And I'm kind of like trying to get him to hurry up. So I do a drop off and we're already late. And he's like, mama, I really want to show you my classroom today. Can you come in for a couple minutes? And I was like, okay, come show me your classroom. So I decided to just surrender to that moment. I'm already late. And this is an amazing moment. I don't want to miss that because of my idea of time. So I go in and I stay there for about 15 minutes. And then I get back in the car, go to head to the grocery store, there's this intersection that you have to go through to get to the grocery store and I take it every single time and there was a massive pile up like a fresh massive pile up and I was just like whoa obviously I don't know when it happened but like the cops and stuff were just getting there and I'm like that could have been me that could have been my car that was just t-boned and that happened twice that week at the same intersection. And both times I decided to kind of go with the flow and follow my child's lead with everything. And I was like, this is creepy. And I was like, I'm just going to decide to just like go, go with everything instead of fighting it, instead of like imposing my own like demands and needs and pressures and to-do lists. So it's not to say I'm abandoning time or anything like that, but it's just appreciate the moments that are in front of you and then trust that they're all for you. But I also want to say that when things do happen, they, they're there for a reason. So yes, there are remarkable times and there are times that we, we miss But when things do happen, when you get in that car accident, when your child gets sick, when you get COVID, whatever it is, 
it's about learning through it. And as Sylvia Brown used to say, when you have a lesson, it's either a, it's, it's to use the, the car accident analogy, it's either a, a dented bumper or it's a collision. And so I find it, it's just like they say, like those people in car accidents that survive are the ones that are most relaxed. And so if something is happening and there's no way, there's nothing you can do in it to do to prevent it, you just relaxing into it. I have found the best, the not the best resolution, but I have found that it, it makes it slightly easier if some crap is happening to just let it flow. Louise Hay has a, Louise Hay had a saying, uh, let, let the river flow. And I like to think of it not as a river because who's on the river anymore, but I like to think of it like a roller coaster and you're on this roller coaster and you get to the top and you're going to go down and you know that you're going down no matter what. Do you hold on tight knowing that you're going down or do you put your hands up in the air? And I will do that actually like during the day. If I feel (laughs) like I am trying to control too much, I put my hands up in the air because there's nothing you can do. When Mm -hmm. something is happening, people are going to get sick. People are going to pass. Animals are going, things are going to happen. They, it's not, they're not always there. It it doesn't mean that the universe isn't with you. It doesn't mean that the universe isn't supporting you. It just means that you're learning from it. I would not be here physically talking to you right now if I had not had every single crap thing happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So embracing what happens and instead of saying, why me say, what, what am I learning from this? And it may not happen right away if you're grieving or whatever, but you know, it's almost like you have to laugh about it. For instance, I, I have been so careful with, with COVID and I went two, two and a half years without catching it. So my family and I decided to go on a vacation this past summer and we went to Rome and it was amazing. And we get back. And I tested positive for COVID right away. And all I did was start to laugh because here I'd gone two and a half years, not doing anything. And I finally go, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to put my hands up in the air and I get COVID. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like, what are you going to do? Like, I just Mm -hmm. laughed. And to be honest, it was probably more of just like, what the hell? Like it just, you know, but honestly, like, okay, all right. All right. What are you going to do? And I think just surrendering is so powerful. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's the most power, one of the most powerful things we can do for ourselves, especially with people with anxiety and depression, because with people with anxiety and depression, we want to control it because that's how we feel better. But sometimes it makes it worse. So just, okay, hands up. Mm-hmm. Feels good. For sure. It's a lot better than, than gripping on in my experience as well. It's like we really fight for any amount of perceived control that we think we have and then just surrendering to whatever it is and it's what is this doing for me what can I learn and just acceptance it's much easier once you can figure it out it's the letting go that's hard but once you let go it's a lot easier yeah and it I mean I I am again I I still suffer from depression and my anxiety has definitely waned since I've fallen in and hands up with, with, with my calling, but I still have days. I just feel like, 
what the hell? And it, it doesn't help. Like we're recording at the end of January and at least here in New England, we have not had a sunny day since for at least a month now. And it's hard. It's okay. Life is not, if life was not hard, those good times we wouldn't embrace and love even harder. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't no, enjoy absolutely. and relish. I feel like as technology is advancing, it's going to make what you're doing a lot less fringe. So uh, there was this uh, neurofeedback training I did. Uh, I've done it a couple times. My husband's done it a few more times than I have. It's called BioCybernaut, and he has different different reasons for going. You could work on a flow state. You could work on creativity. Um, you can go there just for personal development, whatever it is. But when he's breaking down the brain waves, there's actually this brain wave called Schumann. I don't know if you've heard of it. So it's really low frequency and not everyone has it or at least to a detectable amount. And then if someone has a high level of Schumann, they tend to actually be able to communicate with animals and the earth. Like they just communicate with nature in a way that other people can't. So it's almost like tuning into a radio station that not everyone has available to them. So this is neuroscience. This is proven. He is one of the top people in the world conducting this research. And then we have AI now that is also depicting animal language to each other. So I forget um, which lab was doing it, but they were studying parrots, for example. And the mom parrot actually whispers a name to each of her babies and each baby she will whisper over and over until they learn their name so you have mamas that are naming babies and then babies that now have a sense of self i am this name and crows we are learning have a sense of self and even time we're thinking which is immense whales have different dialects they speak different languages they have art which is music they actually have entertainment which we thought we're the only ones that do that. So we're learning about these really complex elements of what we thought were just, you know, fluffy things with no soul. Now we have to question soul conscientiousness. And for some people, that's going to sound crazy because we're like, of course they have it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you're going to say, of course they don't. They're an animal. I, human, am so unique and so special. I'm the only one with these things. So I think it's going to be a beautiful thing for, I hope so. I think it's going to be a beautiful thing when it comes to things like factory farming. We're going to make different regulations for how we treat our animals, things like SeaWorld, different sea aquariums, zoos. We're going to say, I cannot believe I took this beautiful creature and put it in a cage and then charged money to have people come and take pictures with this drugged up animal or this animal that is just like so depressed and has no idea what it's like to even hunt anymore. It's like, why am I existing? That we're going to be like, that wasn't cool. What we were doing was pretty barbaric and evolved past it. And I think that we'll learn more about our own consciousness and what that means while we kind of uplift everything else in tandem. Absolutely. I really believe in working together. I will be the first one to tell you I am not a veterinarian. I am not a scientist. But I am open to relationships with veterinarians, animal behavioralists, animal trainers. I, I am open to not only conversation, but assisting each other. Uh, I, I love working with veterinarians because I will hear something and it doesn't make sense to me. I did not do well in biology for what it's worth. I'll say, okay, this is where the pain's coming from. And the veterinarian can be like, okay, that makes sense because of this. So to me, working with veterinarians is the coolest thing because they can actually tell me what I'm seeing 
you know, and they can describe it and they'll be like, oh, da, da, and I'll be like, ah, like it's very validating for me. I just did a TikTok on this a couple of days ago about animals and names. And from what I hear from the spirit universe, whatever, is it's also a, a frequency, a sound frequency that they can talk to each other in, on. So for instance, like I, I was saying something or sm sorry, sound or sorry, I haven't had coffee yet today. It's a, <laughs> it's a smell. So they have, and I forget the exact number, and I think it varies based on the animal of like how many thousands of times more the the smell that we do, and what I found working, and and I work primarily with cats and dogs because that's what people have, but I've seen this with horses as well, and even rabbits, where they are able to tell each other apart by smell. So they have a smell print, if you will, smell paw print, smell smell footprint, if you will, with each other, so they can recognize each other. It was really interesting this past summer. I there were several clients within like a two week period where their dogs were getting very hyper aggressive, and all of them were getting hyper aggressive with unneutered males, and then vice versa. The unneutered males were getting attacked. Um, so there is a smell thing there. The fascinating thing I smiled when you said time because I've seen this my entire career, if you will, with working with animals is that they absolutely have a sense of time. They've proven that dogs can tell the passage of time based off of, again, smell, but again, uh, based off of the lack of smell leaving. But what I've also found in the last few years is they can tell the passage of time based on seasons and weather. So for instance, if you're going on a trip in the winter uh, and or like in the fall, uh, one way that I use to communicate that with animals is they'll be back when more leaves are on the ground and they have an instant recognition or understanding of what that is. I, I, I haven't played so much with the moon cycles, but it would be interesting to ask or kind of identify it by moon cycles right now. I'm just doing like based off of seasonality. Uh, they'll be back when there's more snow on the ground or whatever. But it's also interesting because let's say there's a storm coming and you can say, okay, when those rains are done, your person will be back. And they seem to absolutely have an understanding. I also say, two sleeps or three, three dark, I'll, I'll use dark nights as the example. They'll be back in three dark nights and they see that, that with my four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. But animals, yeah. cats, dogs, horses have that understanding and that consciousness of, of, of time. Now, how is it in their brains? That's a much bigger freaking question, but I've seen a lot of, a lot of evidence. And not only that, I will tell you one of my most powerful experiences was not even when I was actively working as an animal communicator, but I will never forget in my early, no, uh, about 15 years ago, we were doing a whale watch off of Cape Cod. And I had my, my, my daughter was a baby. And, and I remember we had spotted some humpbacks and everyone's looking. And I was one of the few that was still on like one side of the boat. And I looked down at the water and there was an eye staring at me of a humpback. And this beautiful creature was just staring at me and they were probably only 10 feet away. And in it, it was the most, I even like, even now I'm getting goosebumps because I remember looking at her and it turned out to be the mama and there was a calf oh. and I looked at her and all of a sudden I had information, all of this information. She knew I was safe. She knew the boat was safe. She was annoyed about the sounds. Like she had empathy she understood why people were there but she had like she had 
she had this deep understanding that it's even hard to put into words about the world. And you go, how in the hell is that possible? And I don't know. It was so joyful in the first few weeks of COVID when everything shut down. And I don't know if, if anyone remembers, but all of a sudden marine life started springing back because shipping shipping was, and this was again, the very early COVID days and mm-hmm. everything shut down. And all of a sudden marine life was coming back because there were, there wasn't all the shipping and all of the, all the crap that were, I mean, the people were not putting crap in the water. People weren't going out on the water and it was amazing how quickly they were starting to heal. They absolutely have a consciousness. And I, and I say this a lot is I really feel part of my calling is to just let people know that pets, animals have thoughts and feelings and are autonomous beings. And I think a lot of the pushback I get is because if we accept that animals are autonomous beings, that they have thoughts and feelings and a consciousness all their own, then we have to address not only how they, how we treat them, because in the U S and abroad, we do not have protection. We do not have laws for animal abuse that are very, they're aggressive, but it's very hard to prosecute. Not only do we have to address how we treat them, but we have to address eating them. And those are two huge things that have been accepted for hundreds of years. That we can treat an animal like crep because they are they don't have thoughts and feelings and we can eat them. So you can look at someone like me and say BS, because if you opened your, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, but I think a lot of the pushback is then we have to address that. And you have to address things that you've done. Mm -hmm. And I will say, and I did a TikTok like a year and a half ago, and I couldn't believe how much of a response I got. And I simply, it was just me like in between sessions going, your pets don't blame you for stuff you did when you were kids. Because when you're a kid, you're going to do silly stuff. You're going to try and keep your dog in your bedroom with you when you're sleeping. You're going to, as my son did to my cat, put OxyClean on her to try and clean her. Oh, you're no. going to, I, I, yeah, she's, she's safe. Uh, you're going to, you're going to do stuff that you're not so proud of. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. When you are children, animals seem to have this unique understanding that your brain isn't fully formed because it's not. Mm-hmm. So that's a little different. However, if you have been cruel to animals, I'm not talking about eating them, but if you've been cruel to animals, I'm very threatening because I absolutely will hear. And I actually got a question not too long ago. Uh, have you ever talked to someone that was abusing animals? And I said, absolutely not. No one that has seriously abused an animal. And I'm not talking about as a kid when they accidentally fall off your bed. No one that seriously abused an animal is going to talk to me. Mm. because they know mm-hmm. they're scared what if well then you have to deal with the fact that you hurt them mm-hmm. yeah there was this lady in florida and her tiktok went viral so she ended up getting caught and i don't think she did jail time i think she ended up getting sentenced to five years probation but she found a raccoon stuck in a dumpster and she decided to light it on fire and she afterwards she just like doubled down and was like trying to make it this funny thing and the judge was like this is 
extremely concerning. Like if you were able to do this to a defenseless animal, then that says a lot about you, your character and what the danger you pose to other people even. And I was like, whoa, thank like that was an awesome judge. Like she was recognizing this is cruel, unusual and absolutely not okay. And there's um there's something something almost more terrifying about someone who's willing to hurt an animal because of its defensive defensive defenselessness, kind of like a child. And I think that's why in psychology, it's like when you look at serial killers, for example, you're like, well, they started with animals and that's not good. Like if you're able to do that, that's not good. And it shows kind of a lack of uh, lack of empathy, obviously. And then also if you want to get into more of the esoteric lack of a soul, lack of uh, moral inner moral compass. You know, I, like I find that. it a lot in, uh, in, in abusive families. I will, and and this is generally after the fact, I can't think of one off the top of my head where they were still actively with their partner, but it's generally after they've been with a partner and they want to know how, like generally they've suspected that they did something. And so they're coming to me to ask what actually happened. And seven times out of 10, it's not good. Sometimes, be, and, and again, ab abuse can can be many forms, just like with, with people, right? Mm -hmm. You can have abuse as just being ignored. Like a lot of times it's just, well, he ignored me. They ignored me. But to an animal, a, a cat or a dog that is dependent on you for food, water, shelter, love, if you're ignoring them, that's just as bad as if, in my opinion, it's just as bad as if you were doing it to a child. They need, and I'm not talking about you have to sit and have full-blown conversations, although you absolutely can but just if you're just absolutely ignoring them, then you are out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so it could be as little as ignoring or it could be, you know, them yelling at them and or, or putting them in, in in other rooms and all this stuff. And and I, it's interesting. Primarily, my clients are women. Mm -hmm. Why is that? It, it's just, it's things to, it, it's things to, that I think about because I do try and approach everything, even though I am not a scientist, I, I try and approach everything on a very evidential level. Why am I saying this? What is happening? Why do certain people come to me? Uh, and there are patterns. There are absolutely patterns with abusive relationships and it goes onto the pets, but they don't know. In fact, I, I, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday who, as a child, his aunt would just take pets of his and adopt them out. And I, I've heard that story so many times. People come to me as adults. What happened to my fluffy at six years old? And, and that's abusive. That's that's my mom's, my mom's boyfriend did that. I was at school one day. Um, he was a terrible, terrible like violent man like very violent man and just he loved terrorizing me it was his it's what gave him oxygen so I was at school one day and um, I had two dogs and I came back and they were gone just gone and I was like where are my dog oh he did it to my horses too and like so I would just show up and my my pets would be gone and for a kid that is devastating especially for me I didn't have a lot of friends so like that was that's where I had love was with my animals. So yeah, I, my dogs were gone. And then next it was my horses. And I'm just like, what is happening? And why is everyone acting like this is normal? This is not normal. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been on the, the end I'm of so that. I'm so sorry. Did you ever find out what happened? No, my mom's just said that she, they gave them to quote loving homes. <laughs> like, how do well, you know? 
You know, you know where I'm at if you ever want to connect and find out. I mean, I've gone so far and this was, this was hard, but I had a client that was from uh, Korea, from Korea. I'm trying to remember the, the country and uh, her mom had given her dog to the meat trade. Oh no. And that's this was so awful. like 50 years ago. This was not oh. now. It was, but she always wanted to know. And the, it was such a heartbreaking call but at the same time it was beautiful because this dog had still been around her and was identifying had actually connected with her son had been around her son growing up and he he was just you know able to again with proof say certain things that had happened over the years Mm. that there was no way that he wasn't with her and so it was so heartbreaking and tragic but it it was healing um and and i'm I'm willing to go there. I'm, I, 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 those are always the hardest clients or cases I would say, but this is what I think is going to take. It's going to take for people to, and not like my clients per se, but people to understand that not only that, not only do pets and animals have thoughts and feelings, but they have memories. Mm. And again, something we need to address. I am, I even talk to the wildlife, you know, I don't, I don't ever assume that a living thing has no thought. Mm. I never assume. I mean, I've talked to spiders. I've talked to snakes. I, I, I never, I never ever assume. And I, I try to be as gentle as I can. Uh, my, my daughter, knowing all this, my daughter uh, had a, a, a cricket, unfortunately had a demise this summer, but she was so ashamed. She had accidentally stepped on it and she was so ashamed. She couldn't tell me for like two days <laughs> mm-hmm. and, but it was beautiful. And then she gave it a send off. Like apparently she had told my, my love and my, my best friend and, and he had told her to give it a send off. And so she apologized to it and, you know, and again, and, and, and if, if your kids do that, use it as a teaching tool. Now I'm not saying you have to give a funeral procession to an ant, <laughs> but if you step on an animal, say, sorry, say, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I hope you're safe. Whatever. Just say, sorry. Even teaching your children that starts that understanding of, oh, they were alive and now they're not. Do you think that, um, like a lot of native American culture, they believe in animal omens for example. So whether they come to you in like a spirit journey or a dream or even in real life, life, if you keep seeing a fox, for example, then that would have some kind of meaning. Do you think that there's some kind of truth to that or is that just Absolutely. Have you been Googling me? There's a bunch of that. I have um, (laughs) Parade. I've worked with Parade three, three, four times. And I've worked with another website, uh, Mind Body Green. And we've talked about everything. I think I've talked about owls, foxes, different kinds of birds. I'm trying to think what else I've covered. But yeah, if Praying you just mantis, do, I feel like is a common one that yeah, people Yeah, I haven't up. done that for any any publication. But no, I absolutely believe in an, animals being used as, as, as messengers. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've seen it in my own life. I, I think... Again, it, there's a beauty to it. And uh, when I had a, a daughter pass at birth t- 10 years ago, and Ooh. my husband was out at sea on a submarine. 
And so she passed, they made him go out to sea right after, and they were coming in and he's very, very intellectual, very much. Everything has a reason. And he said that they were up on the bow or whatever the hell it's called. And they were two or three miles out from land. And he was standing there and he said a butterfly circled him and a few other guys. And he was explaining to me that like butterflies have to land. Like they can't, they have to let, like they can only go so far. And he said it was this little white butterfly that was just circling them. And it was like four guys saw it or three or four guys saw this. And then we're just going, what the hell is this thing? And so of course I asked my husband and like, you know, his intellect, like, well, how, how does that happen? And he said, well, he said it would happen if they were, it was like boat hopping. So it could go from boat to boat. And he said, but we were the only ones out there. And this butterfly just circled him. And, uh, ironically, I think at that time or right after I had gotten, so butterfly is, uh, the symbol for stillbirth, stillborn. Uh, I didn't know that. And, uh, so talk about sign of all signs. And he even said, he said it was like that she was welcoming him home. Oh my gosh. And I'll never forget that because my husband is, even with what I do, it's prove it, prove it, prove it. Like everything has to be, maybe that's why I'm so evidential because I <laughs> am like five pieces of evidence why I see something. Maybe not so much anymore, but he's never forgotten that. And it's interesting because always around her birthday, a butterfly and it, we can be anywhere in the world in, and there will be some kind of butterfly that comes around us. And I mean, we could be anywhere and, and things have happened around her birthday and it's like, Hey guys, I'm here. So that's our sign. I actually, I even have my, my butterfly tattoo on my arm. That's for her. Um, but yeah, that's our sign, but absolutely animals are used. So when animals are used, they aren't, it's not like my daughter was in the butterfly's body, right? It's, yeah go over here or in actually in that white butterflies case on, on the submarine two or three miles out of sea, I don't know how the hell it got there, but on land, if, if you're going to get a sign or wherever, if you're going to get a sign, it would be the universe kind of telling the bird or the Fox to go there. Right. It's not going to be in the body. It would be go there, go there. Mm-hmm. So, oh who, I mean, who knows in, in the boat case, in the submarine case, maybe it was a bird and then somehow the universe changed. I mean, at, honestly with that one, I don't, I, I, I love it. I will find out a long time from now when I pass and go home. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of things like that that can't be explained. And it's okay. Thank And you just, when, when something like that happens, it's thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If I say if you see a fox or anything and you think of a name, trust that name. So Uncle Bill send it to me. Now, let's say it wasn't Uncle Bill. Maybe it was your grandma Sammy. Well, they're not going to get offended. They're just happy that you're recognizing it. They don't care, you know, mm-hmm. but trust that name that's given. Do you find any, do you find any ones to be more like ominous or do you feel like there's a variety of messages that can kind of be sent? Like if you get like the Fox is usually lab- labeled with cut, like cunning, watch out. There's mischief. Some like, you know, someone's trying to be foxy around you. Um, owls, I think are, they say what are someone that passed recently. So, um, I, I don't 
see, and this is just my opinion as an animal communicator, I don't see the universe sending us ominous signs. It's just like when a loved one comes to us in a dream, I always say it's going to be happy or it's going to be a good feeling. If you have mm. a dream with your loved one that's passed or, or even a past pet and it's a bad dream, that's our subconscious. Like it's our subconscious working through things, but someone that's passed, pet or people, they're never going to come to us and like scare us. That's not, yeah. it's just, it's not how it, I, I just, it, they're all love and goodness. They're not going to send us something crazy and scary. <laughs> the same thing with signs. While I respect beliefs of those that, that believe a more ominous sign, I, I choose to think on a more positive note. And maybe that's just my anxiety talking of like, I don't, you know, but I just, I just don't feel like the universe works like that unless we're meant to to turn the other way. Do you know what like I mean? Like it's, it's helpful. Yes. Right? So like, let's say the owl or whatever is at the intersection. You go, Oh, I'm going that way. If that's what it took and the, the right. universe is all encompassing, they're going to know what it's going to take for you to go that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Whether it's an owl or your headlights flashing, it doesn't always have to be an animal. It can mm -hmm. be whatever the universe will act and they will act as quickly as they can to get that sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Technology is supposed to be a, a medium that's used a lot for things like that. And yeah, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Yeah. It's absolutely. I mean, that's, I see it all the time in sessions. It doesn't even startle me anymore because it happens so much. I mean, I've had everything from, I had a, I had a mom that was passed once say she didn't want to talk about something and her daughter kept wanting to ask the question and she kept saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. She closed the zoom. Like the zoom just <laughs> closed the zoom. I've had actually yesterday I had something or no, two days ago, I had something fall off my desk. I have lights flash. I have fire alarms go up. I have, I have had everything that can make a noise or do something during a session. It's freaking happened. And it honestly, now it's just annoying. Cause I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right. Thanks. Thanks for the sign. Message received. Yeah. And it, and uh, well, and it's also because it's for that other, that person on the other line. Right. So for me, I'm just like, shit, where, what was I thinking? Like, where, where was my train of thought going? You know? It, so I, I love the signs, but it's just like, really? But that's only because it it's so, you know, they mess with my Peloton. And actually, um, there's my 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 husband has been working out and and things have been happening to him on the Peloton. And he wasn't telling me until I asked him about something. And he's like, God, that's been happening. And I'm like, because he's, he's just annoyed by it. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't want to know. He's like, just, just stop it. I was working out. Just stop it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, Nancy, this was amazing. You are so lovely. Before we take off, and I would love to have you on again in the future because I could keep keep on talking to you about all of these things, but um, can you tell the listeners where they can follow you, how they can support you, anything that you're working on, all that good stuff. This is your time to just promote away. The first thing I want to talk about is actually we talked about in the beginning. Uh, I, I said I wouldn't do a podcast and yet someone approached me 18 months ago and said, we'd like you to do it. But the cool thing about this podcast, and I don't know, I did not get, I don't know if I have permission to release its name, but I have a podcast releasing about animals where we talk to all different, where I talk to all different kinds of animals. I talked to the oldest tortoise alive in one episode. I talked yesterday, I was recording a podcast and it was a, a gentleman that dresses his cat up in drag, which was lovely <laughs> and wonderful. Uh, I talked to people from all different walks of life and that is releasing, I believe, February 20th. And again, I'm not sure if I can release the name. I'm just going to say it. it's called Creature Preacher. 
creature preacher. I just like singing it because um, <laughs> it just it's funny because it is preaching and it's about creatures. So that's me. Um, that you can find out uh, if you follow me on Instagram at Nancy Mello Official on TikTok at Nancy and my website is just nancymello.com. Uh, feel free to follow. Feel free to check out my playlist. So how? So what? I have. To, I'm curious. What made you choose me? Like you were looking. What was it that you were like? I got a book with her. I gotta see if she can help. I think just intuition. I tried. I'm really trying to fine tune my intuition. And I looked at your social media pages. I checked out your website, and I just felt comfortable. Like I was. So it wasn't just like, like my dance moves that you'll see. Like <laughs> me. Those didn't hurt. Those didn't hurt. You know. <laughs> you, you gotta be silly. You have to embrace it. But yeah, no, that's where you can reach me. It's just Nancy Mello. Feel free to Google me. See if you can find some things. I was just told that like I was mentioned in a book the other day. I didn't know. Um, so yeah, feel free, read it, whatever. And if you have an interesting question, you can always put it in the comments on TikTok. I answer a lot of comments from people, um, about things that other people are wondering. It facilitates great conversation. Uh, but I'm here. I'm, I'm happy to help if I can. It's a great so way to make content. Yeah. yeah well, and idea. I love it because it's things that I wouldn't think about, but for instance, like there was a great couple of episodes on feral animals and, mm -hmm what happens to feral animals when they pass. So it's really interesting stuff that I don't think about. And then people ask, and then it turns out that a thousand people are curious about it as well. So yeah, just explore. Uh, if there's anything that's unclear, I'm I'm happy to try and explain it. But again, I'm, I'm not afraid to say, I don't know. I'm not sure. Or there might be someone better. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be like, hey, if I'm not the right fit, that's why that would actually, that's one more thing I do want to mention is don't, I would not, if you're looking for an animal communicator or medium, you want to look for someone that has other psychic friends that has that, that, that talks to people in their community. Because if you have someone that's isolated and this is all mine, the success is all mine, the cake is all mine. That's just another ego driven. So you do like, see if they're talking about other communicators or psychics, see if that's, mm. that's another thing that I, it always for me raises a red flag, not just in our industry, but others. Like, mm -hmm. are you friendly with people? Are you mm -hmm. open to recommending if something doesn't work out? And if they say no, well, screw that. Cause I will be happy to recommend people I trust like, especially for missing pets, which I don't do a whole lot of, I will be happy to give you her name. Now, it may take me three days to get back to you, but I'm happy to give you their name. Mm -hmm. But yeah, mm -hmm. feel free to reach out. I, I love a good conversation. And thank you so much for having me on. This was fascinating. And and I I just, I love, I, I still don't know much about you, to be honest. I haven't Googled you. I, I have, I, like we were asking, I was asking you after we finished talking last time. I was like, so what did you do? Because <laughs> I, but I would love, you know, I'd love to talk to you again. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Yeah. Let me know. I have your number. You have mine. Like, I would absolutely love to do this again. And I will make sure I link everything below to make it easy for everyone. And again, thank you so much, Nancy. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of Chatting with Candice. Before you go, leave that five-star review, leave that comment, and make sure that you are liked and subscribed. And if you want to support the podcast, you can go to chattingwithcandice.com where you will get early access to episodes. You will get a sneak peek into future guests. And you just support a show that's awesome that you love and everything goes right back into it. So I think that's it. Thank you, everybody, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.